This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first-time homebuyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is our special guest, Luke Babich. He is the CEO of Clever Real Estate, an online referral service that connects home buyers and sellers with top-rated agents. He is a real estate investor in St. Louis, Missouri, with over 24 units and specializes in multifamily units. And if you all were listening to our podcast from a few weeks ago, we actually did a big episode on multifamily units. So Luke, I'm sure you are very familiar about that world and what goes on with that. But welcome onto the show, Luke. We're so happy to have you. Thanks, Allison. I'm so excited to be here. Very excited to dig into today's topic. Do, do you want to break what it is? or do You, is, you is should break, me? totally break it. Yeah. So <laughs> Allison reached out and asked if we can talk about millennial home buyers. We being both millennials and in the industry, I was really excited to dive into this topic. And, and Clever also just did a big research study of a thousand millennial home buyers to ask where they're at, what they're thinking, what they are dealing with in the market. So really looking forward to diving in with you. That was such a good intro. I feel like I couldn't have even done it better myself. So yeah, Luke is here to talk about millennial home buying, what that means, what it looks like. I'm really excited to hear more about this survey because this wasn't even out when I think I initially reached out to you um, about this topic. So really excited to, to hear more about that. I know it's such an important group that our realtors are focusing on now as they should be, but we're going to talk about all of that. Before we do that, I have to ask our signature question that I ask all of of the guests who joined me on the Real View podcast, which is since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is your favorite view? What is your best view that you have ever seen? Tell us if you had to had to pick one. I know it's kind of hard. There's so many different ways to answer this question, but what is your best view? Yeah, what a tough one. Uh, I'll give you two quick answers. One is a an actual view place, which was my kind of happy spot is in the height of the pandemic. My then girlfriend, now wife, and I took a trip to Kentucky Lake and worked remotely from this beautiful empty house sitting on the lake. And it is the only building I've ever seen where you could watch both a sunrise and a sunset from the same window coming over the lake. So this big arched window there. And you could see the sun come up over the mist and then descend over the lake. On a more, on a less kind of physical, actual view of nature level, one of my favorite views is, so Clever's a remote organization. A lot of folks have adapted to remote work through the pandemic and realizing you can work anywhere like the side of Kentucky Lake. And still one of my favorite things is seeing the team come together 
and there's always new faces and, and it's grown a heck of a lot since there were myself and a couple co-founders around a living room table. So seeing the sea of Zoom faces also is a, a favorite view in our end of week town halls. Oh, that is so sweet. I'm like, I wonder if our CEO would say that we are his favorite view. I don't know that he would, but I, but I love that. <laughs> That's uh, maybe very some cool. folks on the Zoom. And I'm a yeah, big, no, it, I'm a big sucker for um, sunsets and sunrises too. I, I, I love them. I try to go see them, you know, anytime I can. If it's not cloudy, Ohio, but yeah, I love. <laughs> so I love both of those answers. And thanks for playing along on my game. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> um, okay, so I do want to hear a little bit more about you. You. You, know, you mentioned your company and, and what you do there. So I want to hear your background, how you got started in real estate. Did you always know you wanted to do this? Give us a little background story on you. Yeah, of course. Like most folks, I was six years old in kindergarten, aspiring to go into real estate technology. <laughs> um, yeah, so I kind of walked backwards into it. And the way I did it was after graduating from undergrad on the West Coast, I moved back to St. Louis, which is where I grew up, and ran a very idealistic campaign for city council as a 22-year-old. And I was going up against the incumbent powers that be who were doing some things I really didn't like. The campaign was kind of premised on ignoring some really good advice that people trying to support me gave me, which is that no one has attention span for politics. You got to dumb everything down, make it real short, simple. And I did the total opposite. I was digging into local government data and then walking around with two-page case studies filled with analysis about the ambulance service and the pension fund. And so at the end of this campaign, I ended up being outspent three to one. The incumbents spent more than had ever been spent in one of these local elections, but I got 46% of the vote. So on the one hand, that's a defeat. Got to learn what losing at something very publicly feels like. And on the other hand, I saw people really do want to understand what's happening in their local area. They want to understand these issues that impact them in really tangible ways. It's not that there isn't an interest. It's that no one's making it accessible. And I saw it was a really powerful way to build an audience. So that thought had kind of lodged in my mind, but I also had just lost an election, needed to actually find real work and uh, wanted to be in a position somewhere down the line to do that again and not be the stunt as 22-year-old who doesn't have any cash to fund my own campaign. Took a sales job and then was using my commissions to team up with a friend I'd known since preschool to invest in real estate. And we bought our first couple properties together and raised capital from people I'd met during the campaign and then built out that portfolio that you mentioned. Did a 1031 exchange, worked with contractors, learned how the whole buying and selling process works. Just to tie the story together, he had the idea for Clever, which was uh, what if we could find a way to make lower commission rates, which a lot of consumers want, a win for realtors too? What would it take to do that? And the piece that I brought was that background in educational media. And so the way those come together with Clever is there's a couple pillars to the business. And the first is we run a set of educational content websites that teach consumers how to navigate their selling or buying process. And those now reach 10 million consumers a year. It's this big audience who are coming to us first for education. And then when they're in a moment of decision, they're ready to actually take their journey with Clever offline. We match them up with one of 19,000 realtors on this platform, this vetted network that we've built up because these consumers are so educated and so high intent, leads from Clever's platform close at 12 to 17%, way higher than what realtors are used to in the industry. And so what we ask in exchange 
is that agents on our platform offer special insider rates to the consumer. So it's one and a half percent listing fees uh, for home sellers. We have various cash back incentives for home buyers. And so Clever's grown and now reaches those 10 million readers and has helped over 20,000 people sell or buy, 20,000 families going through that journey, sold three and a quarter billion in real estate last year. Of course, along the way, we do lots of research and digging into market trends, including millennial home buyers, which brings us full circle. So that'll hopefully be the longest answer I throw at you today. But that's the, the story that leads us up to where we are and back to our main topic. That was excellent. Wow. I didn't even need to, to make the transition right there. You did it for me. So that, that was great. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to make your job too easy here. I lo- I'm here for it. <laughs> no, that's that's really great. And it's interesting that you have, you know, the the background and dabble in politics because so much what we do here at Ohio Realtors is on the political side of things and being involved in issues and always keeping our pulse on, you know, what's going on at the state house and in our local government. So yeah, you kind of fit in with our world pretty, pretty nicely. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Yes, millennial homebuyers. Let's dig in. Why are they so important? Let's kind of just start at, at the beginning a little bit about them and what they mean to our market right now. Well, let's start with probably the most relevant statistic for the Ohio Realtors audience, which is that millennials now make up 43% of all home buyers in the market. That's the most of any generation. It's increased 37% just since last year. It's still growing. We're reaching that bell curve of peak millennials trying to buy houses. Our generation, you're my generation, is becoming this majority force inside of real estate as a demographic, even as we are systematically blocked from entering the housing market by a wide range of forces. So millennials are making up the biggest group of home buyers you can reach, but are also frustrated and are struggling to break into home ownership happening, but it's happening slower than we want, and are turning to guidance from realtors more than any other generation. Millennials are more likely to use the internet than any other generation, but are also more likely to use realtors than any other generation buying homes right now. For folks out there listening, our generation, millennials, see the value in real estate agents, want help breaking into purchasing homes, And if you're not learning how to speak to millennials, you're missing out on 43% of your market, almost half the eligible pool of home buyers out there. So what are some major differences when it comes to millennials versus other generations? Because we know that there are things that make us, you know, a different group from clients that our realtors have worked with in the past. Could you share some of the key differences and characteristics that makes up uh, this millennial generation? There's two sides I'd love to dig into, and I can share some of the data from that survey I mentioned as we dive in. One is how millennials are positioned financially for homeownership, which looks different from other generations. And the other is how millennials actually approach the home search, which also looks a little different. So just to start with that finance side, there are a couple statistics that I just wanted to read off because I think they paint a picture of what millennials are facing as we come into a home search. So 80% of millennial home buyers are in debt. 41% say saving up for a down payment is why they can't afford a home right now. 92% say the current level of inflation has impacted their home buying plans. I kind of skipped over that last one, but let's think about that. 92% have said their home buying plans have changed over the last six to nine months as inflation has picked up. So folks had one vision of how their life and their path towards homeownership was going to change, was going to play out. And that has now changed in some tangible way. 
And this generation has faced a huge amount of whiplash where the last time we conducted this survey just a year ago, folks said that they were actively trying to buy, but competition from buyers was preventing 60% of millennials from breaking in as buyers. We're facing this environment where they didn't have the to make all cash offers or they needed FHA loans, which were less competitive. And so they were constantly getting beat out in a competitive market. Well, now only 28% of millennials identify buyer competition as a barrier to home ownership. So that number's fallen in half, but we're getting hit from the other side where folks are now struggling to pay their debts. Credit card debt has accumulated. Suddenly interest rates are higher and folks are feeling under the gun, under pressure financially and don't have the cash to make the down payments that are going to bring down interest rates on these loans they're looking at. If you're a realtor going to talk to a millennial home buyer, keep in mind that those are the kind of financial pressures they are trying to juggle. And the homeownership journey that a lot of folks from our generation are embarking on is not that storybook filled with excitement. There's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure and a lot of fear. They're going to screw up. And this is just going to shoulder them with more debt. There's that excitement side, but there's also a lot of fear and anxiety and folks really wanting to make sure they don't screw up a big financial decision as they're entering this home search. Yeah. And making sure that, you know, you can make it work, you know, with all of the other payments and things that you mentioned, you know, the student loan debt, the credit card debt. We all went through the pandemic when many people were laid off and not working and had to rely on credit. And there's so many factors that impact millennials financially that it's important to talk about all of those and think about how it affects how they are approaching home buying. So really great stats and information there. So we kind of know a little bit about millennials, who they are, kind of some of the things that they're facing. And one of the things that that was interesting too that you mentioned was how quickly this changed. I mean, you mentioned that it changed in six to nine months that we saw these numbers have a drastic difference from when we first started out. And I mean, it's crazy to think that this is how fast things change and who knows what we're going to be facing, what the market's going to look like, but it's changing quickly and we never really know. All these factors are playing into it. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-license course locations. for a stress-free way to manage your investment properties? Do you want to save your business time and money? If so, you might think about trying property management software like RentReady. RentReady simplifies the entire renting process, collecting rent, listing properties, signing leases, and managing maintenance. With our software, you can easily manage multiple properties from a single dashboard, post your listings on popular real estate websites, track rental applications, and automatically collect rent. Tenants apply and pay rent right from their phone. Ready to give Rent Ready a try? They're offering our listeners the six-month plan for $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com and use the code OHIO1, OHIO in the number one, to get six months of Rent Ready for $1.
from your perspective, would you, is there anything else, you know, maybe you can come see arising in the future that may impact, you know, some of this struggles that the millennials are facing? Or is there anything that you think could be, you know, see a huge swing in things like we saw with just the competition numbers that you had? So a lot of the risk and volatility in mortgages is now kind of priced in. So even if we see further interest rate hikes, it's a little less likely to cause those dramatic swings that we saw just recently. The big question is how long are sellers still anchoring their price expectations at the values they saw their neighbors selling for a year ago? And so just just looking at Clever's data, like I said, we, we sold about three and a quarter billion in real estate last year, and it was across all 50 states. And so we got this kind of top level market view of where these transactions were and weren't happening. And what we saw was the biggest thing that slowed down transactions in quarter four was not just the rise in interest rates. It was that sellers still had those numbers in their head, that, that expectation of what they thought they should be able to sell for. But buyer ability to pay had fundamentally changed with the interest rates. Now, in a lot of markets, the buyer ability to pay has still been brought down to a new reality, but seller expectations is coming down with it. And folks had a lot of equity they're sitting on, and it's kind of how long can your pool of sellers wait out? Because most people are not selling opportunistically. They're selling because of uh, diapers, death, diamonds, divorce. I love that. Uh, you know, <laughs> the yeah. big D's, right? <laughs> uh, yep. So these big life events, right? And folks can wait plus or minus six months, but then you got to get moving. And I think one of the big the big things we're looking at is how long will it take to really rebuild that whole pipeline of, of sellers? And the last dynamic that we're seeing play out is a constant search for more affordable markets. And millennials being more willing than probably any other generation, and especially in the age of remote work, more willing to look farther afield and consider cities that they may never have heard of before they started searching around for a place to live. So really becoming more agnostic to the neighborhood, more agnostic even to the entire city or metro area, and thinking about buying a home first from the finances as opposed to first from driving around and touring homes. That's really interesting. I think that's a that's a good distinction to make is that, you know, millennial homebuyers may be more open to not living 10 minutes away from work or maybe some of those older generations, you know, that was like number one on the list. I have to be able to get to work in a decent amount of time. So I think that's a really good point too. And when it comes to the actual home, so we talked a little bit about some of the characteristics and things that they're wanting that's different. But when it comes to the actual home, what are you seeing millennials um, leaning towards when it comes to what they're desiring as a household? The funny thing is that they're really just desiring a home more (laughs) than any other generation. And to give you a couple numbers to illustrate that. So last year, 82% of millennial home buyers said that they would be willing to buy a fixer upper. And this year, that number has fallen to 65%. But still, two and three millennials are saying, bring it on, bring me your house that's falling apart, that needs a little love, and I'm going to learn how to do it. Just get me into that home. That's one big piece. And the other statistic that I thought was really fascinating was that millennials are willing to buy a home sight unseen in a way that's not true for for just about any other generation. So to give you the numbers there, 86% of millennials would buy a home sight unseen. 
that number was at a peak during the pandemic and the height of buyer competition at 90%, but it really hasn't changed that much. That reflects a couple things. One, I think, is that millennials just want a home. And the idea of ownership and really seeing this as a financial decision more than the driving through the neighborhood, falling in love with that home. Again, this is kind of starting from the finances, working backwards, as opposed to starting by driving around a neighborhood and trying to see what's available. It shows that. And of course, the second is a difference in how millennials look for homes and how we discover and fall in love with homes, which is that millennials are the most likely to purchase a home that they found online. They're comfortable doing more of the work of comparison shopping and looking at homes. Now, I do think it's worth calling out that a lot of folks, especially technology folks, said, oh, that's going to disrupt what realtors do. And we just don't see that. As someone who bought, that wasn't my experience. We found the home ourselves, but I wanted someone to make sure we didn't screw it up and someone who could walk through and make introductions to the right contractors and spot the things we're missing and tell us not to buy that home. Advise us on the pricing, make sure we don't mess up the negotiations. And so great agents have kept their place as educators and as an insurance policy when the transaction goes sideways, uh, even as millennials are getting more comfortable doing the discovery themselves. I think that that is really interesting that, yes, we can buy a house without seeing it, but we still want someone there to hold our hand through it. You know what I mean? Like we might be able to find the place and, oh, yeah, this place looks great. We want it, but help us get it. That's where realtors should feel like they're in a really good place. Um, is And I love the stat that you opened up the show with, too, that so many millennials want that realtor and where we are seeking out realtors, we need that expert advice. We know, hey, I, I have no idea how to buy a home. We're looking for someone to help us ease that process. And before we started recording, Luke, you were getting ready to tell me the story of you buying your home. And since you briefly brought it up, <laughs> I want to hear now. I, I heard contractor. I heard, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your what your process was like when you bought your home. What made it a little bit interesting is it wasn't a single family home. It's a multifamily property. We were doing what investors in online communities like to call the BRRRR, the buy, repair, rent, refinance, repeat. The person who became my co-founder and I invested in uh, first a, a, a fourplex in St. Louis. He lived in one of the units and then eventually we, we moved out and bought a, another fourplex, which was much more of a fixer-upper. That first one, we kind of got in at the right price. The realtor brought the deal. It was a little more turnkey. The second one was the first one I was really hands-on with as opposed to him spearheading the deal. It was a terrific learning experience. In that case, we were buying without a realtor because the seller was selling for sale by owner and she was very mistrustful. And so luckily our, our realtor who we'd worked with previously was kind enough to give us a couple tips to give us a little coaching to get through it. And then other than that, it was searching around online, trying to find forms, remembering what we'd gone through and, and having a really good loan officer to help deal with the pitfalls of getting the financing together. We were planning to buy it FHA and then for various reasons, the property couldn't qualify. So we're scrambling to try and figure out, well, does this mean we're done for? And he found a way and we just needed to find someone who could finance, help us finance the down payment. There were a lot of those pitfalls and then, of course, we had bought ourselves a huge renovation project. The millennials are willing to fix things up. We're willing to buy rental properties as a leg into home ownership, get a cash flowing property, 
sacrifice a little bit on lifestyle in order to make it a better financial decision. But of course, buying a fixer upper can also mean that you're buying a heck of a lot of work. And it worked out for us, but a lot of millennials who purchased last year actually ended up having regrets about it. So it was almost one in five millennials who did buy a fixer-upper said they regretted it. Yeah, I saw that number too. I was like, that's that's really interesting. Was it mostly the fixer-uppers you think that caused that? They just regretted or maybe underestimated the amount of work that it was going to take to do that's a project? That's what our data like suggested. Yep. A lot of the regret is tied to biting off more of a home project than they they were ready for, overestimating what they could handle. Interesting, interesting. Very interesting. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit of your personal story, too. Um, always, always enjoy hearing that. So we know who millennials are. We know why they're important. We know that what they want when it comes to a home. We know they're willing you know, to put in some work, whether they regret it later or not. They may think it's a good decision um, at the time. But how do we work with them? You know, as realtors, you know, having millennials as our clients, what do they want? What kind of communication styles do they have? How can realtors best work with millennials? Give them the best experience knowing all of their different needs. I'm going to answer this one, Allison, not from the standpoint of my data, because that's a really tough thing to ask questions about, but more from the standpoint of experience serving our millennial customers and then experience being one. I think a couple of the things that are most important to remember with this demographic is number one, they're used to having, we're used to having options. And we've grown up in an age of digital tools that help make it easy to compare alternatives, to browse through a list of options and select the one that we're looking for. And one of the things that's most off-putting for a millennial, again, speaking broadly and everyone's different, someone saying, well, this is just the way it is without explaining the pros and cons, the alternatives. So this is a generation that I think is really looking for realtors to help them understand the possible options and let them be an informed decision maker in choosing their own route. So, and I hear that feedback a lot when we see millennial customers complain about a realtor match that we didn't nail, often complaining that the realtor was just telling me what to do. And I didn't understand why. I didn't feel like I had agency in the process. So my biggest tip would be to take the time to explain the, the choices in front of people and let them own the decision. That would be my number one tip. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, really good to know something to think about, you know, as our realtors are beginning to work with with this generation. Another thing I kind of wanted to touch on real quick is just... Um, the challenges that millennials are facing. We we mentioned some of it, you know, with the debt. Do you think home ownership is possible for millennials? And I know I, I'm a Redditor. I'm on Reddit a lot. I read all these threads. <laughs> and how often I, I swear it's like once a week at least I'm seeing someone say, I want to give up. I'm trying to buy a home and I just can't do it. Can millennials buy homes? Is it even possible? Is it reality? What would you say is, is millennial home ownership, the American dream possible with all of today's circumstances? I'm a glass half full kind of person. I don't know where you, where you fall on that, Allison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, same. I'll read you off a couple more statistics from our research. The challenges are real. So more than half of millennials have less than $10,000 in savings. And that percentage has tripled just since last year. So millennials had a little bit of a cushion, felt optimistic. And now with the increase in inflation and interest rates, it's wiped away those savings. And about one in five millennials have nothing. 
They're really living paycheck to paycheck. That said, what I see in the data and in these trends is the length millennials are willing to go to to be scrappy and resourceful to find paths to home ownership. Everything we're talking about shows hence desire for the American dream, that that hasn't gone away. And it resonates more than ever with this generation in a lot of ways. They're willing to fight so hard for it. Despite the constant setbacks and obstacles, folks are determined and are making plans to buy. That number I quoted you at the beginning where, you know, 92% of buyer, uh, millennials have changed their plans. Well, think about how many of them had plans to begin with. Folks are reaching this stage of life and trying to figure out how they get from A to B, how they go from renter to homeowner. While it's hard, uh, again, I just think seeing folks be more willing to imagine moving to a completely different city than ever before to buy a home in a neighborhood that they've never set foot in in order to embark on that American dream makes me think that the the millennial generation is going to pull this off just fine. I agree with you. I love the optimistic outlook because I feel the same in both you and I, you know, bought homes in a young age. It sounds like I was 23 as a millennial when I bought my condo. Um, I know friends that are going through the process. And yes, it might be hard. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, there's a lot of crap to work through. It is a very intense process, but that's why you have your realtor and it's so worth it in the end. I know for me personally, it's probably one of my best decision I made was was to get a home. And I think I'm sure you would feel the same way as an investor and, and someone that works in properties a lot. And I do think it's alive. I think we got to give people hope despite all the challenges that exist. You're right what you said that we're resilient and we're scrappy and we might come up with different ways of doing things. And I think how you enter in your home market might look different too. As you mentioned, you know, how how you found your entryway in. There's just so many options and so much is available, you know, out there to make this dream a reality. And if I can just tie that back to your audience, to the folks listening, you've got the largest audience of homebuyers, millennials who we've just said are willing to buy homes sight unseen, are willing to buy a fixer-upper, are willing to look farther afield than ever before, and are willing to get creative with the financing to make a deal pencil out. And these folks are searching for expert advisors who can help them make the journey. This is a huge opportunity to really do some good. These folks want your help. There's also a huge business opportunity with what's going to be at the market coming from this new rising generation. So much opportunity out there. You guys listening, our members should be really fired up by this. It's a lot a lot of business out there um, that's waiting to, to be had. I know too, before we started recording, just one last thing before we wrap it up is it just came out a day or two ago, I think that now half of all millennials are home buyers. So we are making it happen. More than one in two. Yeah, yeah. I know it's easy to to get discouraged. I see it all the time, but we're making it happen. We're finding a way to make it work. We're motivated, I think, which is which is a big thing. And we see the value in it. You know, you mentioned the stats that we see it as a valuable investment. We know that it's going to be important. It can lead to generational wealth. And it's going to be something that, you know, most millennials are going to be interested in. How we make that happen, we'll figure that out. But I think having the motivation <laughs> and, and the interest and the value in it is is really cool. Any last stats that you want to share from that report? I want to make sure if you have any other good nuggets before we wrap it up. I want to make sure we, we cover everything. Let me just plug one more opportunity that's relevant to the Ohio realtors out there who might be listening, but also I think illustrate some of what we're talking about. Traditionally, realtors would be the one who 
sits down with a buyer first, drives them to the house, and then when they're ready, sends them off to get pre-qualified or pre-approved, recommends a couple of lenders. Well, what we noticed is that 50% of buyers are now actually starting their journey talking to a loan officer. And that fits in with all the trends we're talking about, right? Folks wanting to understand the finances, learn what they can afford, and then from that back into, okay, well, what neighborhood should I even be looking at? I'm not ready to get in a car until I know what price range I can buy in. So one opportunity is for folks joining the platform, in addition to the seller side lead opportunities that I described, we've actually teamed up with some of the biggest financial institutions in the US, and they're sending clever hundreds going on now, thousands of pre-approved buyers looking to get connected with the realtors. And I think that's a trend we're going to continue to see grow. I think it's something we'll continue to see grow with this generation, where they're increasingly starting the journey with their financing, with a loan officer. And then again, it's kind of a business opportunity where realtors now have the opportunity to get buyers who are farther along in the journey, who are a little bit less work to get into that closing. You can really focus on the the home search because the financing is taken care of. But also, realtors now have a whole new constituent to really serve in a different way and be an ally and an advocate to the loan officer in the way that loan officers used to really focus on that kind of client service to the realtor. So if folks are interested, go to listwithclever.com and you can find the realtor portion. And we're always looking for more great agents to sign up for these programs and help get sellers out of homes and buyers into them. There you go. Check it out. Luke, this was so fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing a little bit more about you and what you do and the world of our generation. Um, it was it was really great having you on. I think this was a great fit. So thanks so much for joining me and for your time. You bet. It was a blast chatting with you, Allison. Thanks so much for hosting and can't wait to see it online. Yeah, well, we will be in touch soon. To all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Luke, thanks again. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time. to back office, and that's with BrokerMint. Get complete visibility into every transaction and manage them all from one dashboard. Automate commissions, organize financials, reduce compliance risk, onboard new agents, generate reports and dashboards in seconds. So if you are ready to handle every back office task and bring your teams, tools, and data together with BrokerMint, visit BrokerMint.com forward slash Ohio Realtors. Plus, see how you can score 50% off of the implementation fee. That's brokermint.com slash Ohio Realtors.